Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is a jazz interview podcast. It brings you the lives and stories of the people who make this music. And it's more than just a podcast. It has a website, thejazzsession.com, that features all kinds of cool stuff, including a mailing list, live jazz news, links to reviews and jazz articles, and a whole lot more. On this edition of The Jazz Session, I talk with drummer Matt Wilson. I talked to Matt in between his two sets at the 2007 Rochester International Jazz Festival. A lot more went on on this night, and if you'd like to hear the story about that, you can check out the Rochester International Jazz Festival Day 6 show. It features some behind-the-scenes outtakes from the Matt Wilson show and a whole lot more. With no further ado now, though, let's move to Matt and his music, and let's start things off with the title track of his new album, The Scenic Route. I'm here with Matt Wilson. He's in town at the Rochester International Jazz Festival with the Arts and Crafts Band, featuring uh, Gary Versace, Dennis Irwin, and Michael Rodriguez. Matt, it's great to talk to you again. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be here, and it's, it's always great to have a chance to uh, speak with someone who is uh, both knowledgeable and excited about the music. So, we'll, well I hope that it. happens for you later this evening. Yeah, at the moment, you've got me. So, <laughs> now I've got a I've got a list of like feel good music that I, I know if I'm going to reach for a CD that these are the artists that I can listen to that are always going to pick me up. And I got to say that you're on that list. Oh, thank you. The new album, uh, scenic, scenic route or route, as you say, is, uh, is fantastic. And I just want to ask your albums always seem like they're, uh, they're really kind of carefully sequenced and they, they kind of tell a story throughout them. They seem like you've put a lot of thought into just even how the album lays. Is that? Yeah. Um, I think it, 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 it's a result. I don't think I don't, um, I sort of have an idea of the tunes to do, but I don't really think about that stuff until it's completely done. And uh, and Matt Balaceris, the my producer for all, who's produced all of my records for, at Palmetto and, and engineered the last four, has been yeah four has been is really great at it too. And sometimes it doesn't come until like the sequence of this didn't come until we were. I don't know. It just sort of fell into place. It was something that we were kind of concerned about. So. Um, 
I know one that was jarring was that we started um, one of the records, Smile, with like this really jolting tune called uh, Wooden Eye. And I remember that being kind of like, okay, we're, let's take a chance and do this and see what happens. And it was cool. So, yeah, it's fun. I, I just feel like that um, all my favorite records, whether it, all from different eras, too, it's not just... Um, classic or whatever but have always sort of had this nice arc or some sort of like journey and you kind of you kind of know that one the 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 tune that just ended sets you up how you're hearing the next tune and then that tune sets up you know what i mean it's like the succession like album album by jack dejanet i consider uh that was cool in that way they had all this stuff going on that was you know these tunes that went right into each other so i always think of that record as a whole i don't really even think about the individual tunes i think of it kind of like chapters or something in a book yeah like tenderly on the record for example sounds like a totally different tune by the time you actually get to it on the record because that arts and crafts sound is in your head when you get to the arrangement it's it's tenderly but it's not it's not just tenderly yeah and i think sometimes before i think um not that I really um, bother with what the people with pens and papers and uh, word processors and, and typers and all this say, but they were like, oh, it's too eclectic or whatever. Now I think they're realizing that, wow, this music can all go together. Doesn't, I mean, these records don't have to be so thematic. And the way I look at it is if all these people, uh, these guys are so great, Gary and, uh, and Dennis and Terrell, in the case of the record, and the t- mostly touring band Michael Subman for, for Terrell on this gig, but they, they can play all kinds of different music and are really interested in it, so why not? you know have that happen you know why not touch all these things because it all the thread is the musicians the thread's not the songs i mean the tunes are though i don't even think about the tunes that much i mean the tunes are important but it's more it, i think of the personalities of the people and especially their the way they contribute they, the way they offer what they do to the total sound of the band so that somebody was asking me something about earlier if i get tired playing and i said well not really because the energy comes from everybody so it's a it's a collective thing and how they offer it and these guys offer it with so much love and there's so much trust that you just feel that i mean there's i was telling we were, we hadn't played for a few weeks because we had been off you know after touring a lot and man when i heard played the first note tonight i said my the smile just came on my face like oh wow you know we're home you know it's kind of nice to be back with the the band like that so it's fun in that regard so i think this it all translates to the records that way too i mean you could maybe mix up the orders and it would it would just create a different feel of the record that's the problem with compact disc though is that they're a little long so sometimes you don't get that same effect as you did with the lp even turning it over gave you a break or a breath and the the disc doesn't really allow you to do that. So. personalities that have contributed a lot this record uh, pays tribute to a very special musical personality and that is Dewey Redmond will yeah. you talk about your relationship with Dewey 
I played with Dewey for 12 years. I played with him from um, 1994 until he passed uh, this last fall. Um, it'd be almost a year ago now. And uh, he was a it was beyond music. It was family at this point. At, at really, pretty much right off the bat, you know, we really hit it off. And but I learned so much about him, about music, and, and but nothing. I don't think it was anything really ever told to me. I mean, or discussed even. It was just being around him and and that sound. And if you just if you realized how much love there was behind that sound and what he embraced and how it embraced everybody else's sound you know and one time Dewey we were backstage and uh, I after a concert I said we were in Europe and I said Dewey man thank you so much this was so much fun and uh, which was fun every night and he said to me thank you Matthew thank you for your music he's always really gracious and he said uh, you know Matthew uh, people sound their best when they play with me and I kind of was taken aback by that. I was kind of like, oh, really? You know, thinking, wow, that's sort of interesting, right? It seemed, I was younger, I, you know, whatever, but right the first time I, I, I took it as ego, you know, and, but it was actually just the opposite to, and I think that's a philosophy that I have as a band leader. Man, if you allow people to go places that, that maybe they don't get to in any settings or don't limit them, and that's sounding their best, you know, expressing themselves, not maybe command, you know, I don't think he meant it that way, but while we sounded the best or sounded the best as a collective together, and he allowed that so much. He was such a facilitator of that by just his presence. You know, it wasn't anything he said or did, really. It was just his, the way he dealt with stuff. And when he did say something, which is about three things in 12 years um, to me about specific things to do or whatever, uh, it was always great. It wasn't like it was anything... Yeah, he wasn't. He didn't control the music at all. So he really, he really loved music. He really understood the power of and the and the and the positive, beautiful energy that's involved in sound. And so it was a real treat. And I was obviously. I mean, I've had a, a hard year with losing him and losing my father and losing Andrew Hill and you know these guys that I knew. And now it's getting to be kind of scary that you know. We talked about that earlier. The time we did an interview it was this thing. I was re- re- recording this thing with project with Dewey's at Ornettes and Leroy Jenkins, and you know, I mean, David Baker who was engineering that. I mean, so there you start to feel that vulnerability. So a little bit. So now that the the the, the all of us being together is even you know in any all these different bands is still really it makes it even more special. You know? So you talked about Dewey's skill at at kind of bringing out the best in folks. I'm wondering, it's kind of an analogy to it tonight right here in this club where there's three of you who are on the record who have been touring for a long time together and then you've got, you know, a, a newer voice uh, in Michael Rodriguez on the trumpet. Do you find yourself now kind of in that in that role where you're, you know, you and the bandmates who are, have played together more are all of a sudden uh, kind of enveloping Michael? And Perhaps. I mean, I think... Michael's great, and I, I, I and you know, you you have someone there because you know they can do it, you know. And uh, and we we had talked about this a little bit earlier, I know, but I would never expect any. I would uh, if I can't get Terrell Stafford, then why would I get somebody that thinks that they can be Terrell Stafford? You know, what I mean, I want somebody. You know, I want their person, somebody else's personality. So um, when Terrell's a busy man, and fortunately he's been with us a lot of this stuff. Like I was mentioning earlier the trips, but him. Michael's done some gigs, and Ron Miles has actually been gone out and done a tour with us, and then done some spotted things, and is is doing Europe with us. And they all bring something different to it, which is great. But the, what they but, but they all bring the same thing, which is they're all there, they're all present. Every one of those gentlemen are present, 
And so that's what I really, that's what I really seek. Like people that, and they're not playing because sometimes with the horn, they're not playing, right? So, but I love to feel that presence. Terrell stands right by me a lot of times. And uh, I love that. I love it. I know, and Michael does too. And we play together in Liberation, and he's always right pretty close to me. So I like that presence of people being in, in the music, even if they're not playing. You know, so you feel that. If you, if you feel someone leave the band, actually, you, know, I really, you can sense that sometimes when people are not, when they're not with soloing or they're not playing the melody, uh, they're off somewhere else. Well, you know, they're still involved. They have to be still be involved in this, this affair so i like that energy and that and, and those and all the people that i just mentioned ron Cheryl, and and my uh and michael are all great at that you know so it's really nice to have that crowd was really a part of the show tonight too particularly at the end and although you made you know you were kind of making a joke about having feeling this way and everybody was standing up at the same time i kind of felt like there was there was some you know some serious content under the humor because people did leave this club in a fantastic mood yeah it it is sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing i am part of me i mean i couldn't I'm not a. So I, there's no way that I could ever present myself as a, in a as a guru figure, <laughs> but if I do it through humor, I'm still it's still kind of saying the same thing. I think in, in this message of like, wow, we're the mo that we're sharing these moments together, and it's never going to happen again. And and I think you can. I always felt like with humor and with having. I mean, we're sharing in this moment. So if you can make people feel comfortable about being there, then it is going to help them when they leave to to hear other things and uh, maybe experience things in it. and it helps us you know I know it helps me so when I think about it that way you know it's not just a that's why I love the environment you know I mean I'm a I'm a very much of an anthropo anthropological person in a way like I really Tony Malaby and I talk about that where you don't I don't want to play the same way. I don't. I would never like that thing where you the stage looks the same every night, and you walk out, and you don't know whether you're in Rochester or whether you're in Amsterdam or whether you're in Texas or whether you're in Brazil. I like to know that I'm in Rochester. I like to know that because you're going to play differently because of the flight and the people and the people you know. I mean, I mean all that stuff influences it. And I never do the things. I like to let the environment influence the night. So it's cool, you know. It's cool to have that happen and and. Again, nothing's too precious, you know. <laughs> My whole big philosophy lately is n no expectations, no disappointments. Meaning, I have high expectations of myself as far as being, you know, fulfilling the music and offering stuff. But like, I don't come in planning like, oh, it's going to go this way. It's got to go this way. Or I'm going to be, man. However, it's going to go is the way it's supposed to go. So.
Is there an arts and crafts sound or an arts and crafts philosophy? Is there something that unifies all the, the band with its different members? You know what? I think it does. I think we talked about this earlier in, in the year after been playing a lot. You know, I think if you set out to try to have a something be different, you're it's artificial. But one day I realized, wow, we've been playing. This kind of has a thing. And we don't really know what it is, but there's a thing. And, and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like, we're going to do the music of, or I'm going to do this because I know it's going to be different. It started actually, actually, the whole project started out not to be different, just to play more conventional jazz songs or whatever, then it sort of merged. And my other group, which people, my quartet with the two saxophones, which people think of the weird thing, also plays really great romantic ballads and everything. So I feel like the groups have sort of met in the middle. The music doesn't really make as much difference as the personality. So just the personalities make it interesting you know so I think there is something I mean I think the eclectic thing is a nice weave in it and it and it does it I think for musical sense and not just to let show that okay we can play this or we do this or do this or do that and I, I feel like people now the music embraces so much that I love swing and I love all so I want that to be included and I don't feel so such an urge to have to follow any sort of common trend you know I mean nothing against people covering Bjork tunes or whatever or Radiohead more I love those people that do that but that doesn't strike me you know that music doesn't so I mean there's other things that I may cover sometime but but I like just hearing things and trying different things out and seeing what happens so we talked about Michael Rodriguez will you uh, talk a little bit about Gary and Dennis the other guys who are with you on the band well you know this group sort of started around Dennis in a way I mean I knew I wanted Dennis in this new project when I first started and recorded it in 2000 and so uh, and then I'd play with Terrell once with um, let me stop you real quick why did you know you wanted Dennis what was it about oh Dennis, well it's a dr- man it's a drummer's dream I mean he's played with that sound the way that beat comes at you the way, the way he offers it and we had played together once at this concert with Ed Newmaster and Kenny Warner and, uh, and then didn't see each other for a while and I always thought Oh yeah, he didn't really, you know. He was like uh, just another night, either day, playing with his, you know. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Then we play this gig at Cornelius, or no, uh, this place uptown, Cleopatra's Needle. He goes, hey man, I've been thinking about you a lot. That was a great gig. I've been thinking, man, it was so much fun, you know. You, and I was like, made me feel really great, you know, because he's like, wow, this is a great bass player. And um, but I like his whole overall musicianship. And he's been, really been inspiring. He really inspires us all to like practice and check out all this different kind of music and and everything. And then I met Terrell. I only played with Terrell once, right? But, man, it was one of those things where you can just feel it. You know, when you, to me, when you play with a great musician, you feel their instrument sound come up out of yours. It's like it just it spreads and just comes up. All the instruments become everybody else's instrument. And I felt that immediately with him. And he's got such a big heart and a big soul that, you know, and we've become really close friends. And then I had Larry Goldings in the band. He played on my first record. And I played on a record of Larry's. And then we've done a bunch of people's records together. And... Um, and the first record was just piano because he's an amazing piano player. And when we played the Sh- Green Mill in Chicago one time, there was a Hammond there. So I said, hey, man, let's play it. You know, and he played it. I was like, wow, this was great. So then it became part of the sound. So the second record, Wake Up to What's Happening, plays Hammond. But he's busy with um, this guy, James Taylor. You know? Never heard of him, yeah. And uh, not only in his James's band, but also uh, they do this one man. It's called James Taylor and his one man band. And uh, Larry's the one man band. So it's kind of hard to compete with that, you know. Uh, you know, if I have bookings, and and Gary had sub for Larry on some things and went to Alaska with us and a bunch of other gigs, and I turned 
I told Larry to go check out Gary um, after we recorded Larry's record, and he recommended Gary to Schofield. So it's this nice family connection. And then Larry's the one that said, hey, man, if you got all these gigs, and you, you just use Gary on the record. Because they're, they're really mutual, you know, respect is great. And then, like I told you earlier, uh, Larry just did a gig with us that Gary couldn't make, so it was nice. To, you know, so it's still a... Yeah, it wasn't like one of those VH1 moments where <laughs> Goldings had to go... No, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, you know, we still... You know, I would call him, you know, any time that I would need help. I think he would help me out, so... It seems like uh, I had the, the pleasure of hanging out with you guys for a little while, and I mean, you just you seem to all enjoy each other so much. Well, it's a big part of it, man. We've had a lot of time to hang out this year, and it's really fun. And it's funny because we we get back from the road that we've been calling each other. This is like, wow, you guys miss each other. I was like, well, we've been you know we've been playing a lot, and I love that feeling of bands. I mean, I, feel, I have a lot of that way with a lot of different groups. I, li- I like groups. I mean, to me, jazz is group music. There's always been great people, individuals, you know. We, and, un- and unfortunately, or fortunately, those people are heralded, and that's they were deservingly so. But, man, John Coltrane had a great band. That's how that music came about. I mean, John Coltrane was a genius, obviously. Ornette Coleman, same way. But he had he knew how to find the people that could translate his thoughts or concepts and uh, Duke Ellington, uh, Miles, all these people. And so I always like really go for the, that band vibe a lot. And so I feel fortunate to be in some really great bands, and I, I love that. I love their company. And, and I, I've been saying this recently, but it's really true. I, I, I say they're, they're my really great friends who I also happen to get to play music with, so instead of the other way around. And I think in the, when the day is done... It's probably more important, you know, yeah. than just the, just the sound, you know. So, and they make good sounds too. So, I know that my uh, my kids have changed the way I look at things around me. I wonder if yours have changed the way you play, changed the way you write. Oh, sure. I started this new tune yesterday, and and Ethan, my one of my triple, I have triplet sons, and one of the boys was um, is really good. He's very talented on the piano. He has a recital Saturday actually, and I'm excited about that. And he. And he was sitting down, and he was really playing some stuff. He was playing it back. And I was checking it out, hearing it. You know, I'd play a little bit of it. He'd play some stuff back. And uh, we had fun, like, working on this stuff together. And he's so innocent because he doesn't, he just plays it. You know, he doesn't know whether it's supposed to, and I hear things, oh, that sounds like something else or whatever. So they've been really great with that, you know. And you do have to just, and you know what I love about their, is their resilience. You know, they can get in trouble about doing something and then, and 
and you have to get on their case as a parent. You know, you don't do that. And then two minutes later, they forget about it. You know, where adults hold grudges and they, you know. So I've been trying to, I, that's something I think I've really taken from them. You know, just like, okay, it's fine. It's over. Let it go, you know. This isn't going to do any good to sit there and harbor anything. I'm not a big harborer anyway, but it's le- really letting it go. So. Coming up next for you, where are you off to after Rochester? Uh, some trio gigs in the next few nights. A couple nights in, on Long Island with Dave LaLama, who I'm really looking forward to playing with again. This is a great piano player, Ralph's brother, and, and Ilio Alves on Saturday. And then we do JVC. Then I teach at a camp, and we do Ottawa, Canada. Come we back and make arts and crafts. Yeah, and then I make, come back and make a record with uh, Eric, uh, two records actually, with Eric Rasmussen doing this Lenny Tristano music. For steeplechase, and then a couple other record dates in July, and then we go to Arts and Crafts goes to Europe. Then I go teach a Stanford Jazz Workshop, and then come back. We play Litchfield, and I play Litchfield with Charlie Hayden. It's, it keeps up like that through the rest of the year, actually. So it's nice. It's amazing that there are still those kinds of careers to be had in in this musical genre. I mean, you seem to be just amazingly busy, and yeah, I think a lot of it is. Fortunately, my wife is tolerant, and my children are tolerant of me being in and out. But part of it's just keeping organized and keeping your relate. You know, it's all human. It's not. All, it's not just. You know, there's a lot of people that play the drums a hell of a lot better than I do. So, but there's. I just try to keep the vibe going good. You know, <laughs> if you keep people happy, you know, around you, I think it makes a big difference. Try to be nice, attentive. Well, it's hopefully. almost time. Uh it's almost time again, to so, yeah. It's uh, almost time to rock. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Lot, the you're time. you're a, 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 a beacon of hope to helping this music out. So we appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thank you so much.
That's Matt Wilson with the beautiful closing medley from his new album, The Scenic Route. Until next time, this is The Jazz Session, and I'm Jason Crane. Please visit the show's website at thejazzsession.com. You'll find interviews there, live jazz news, links to other jazz sites, and tons of coverage from the Rochester International Jazz Festival. You'll also find links to subscribe to the show, and I hope that you'll do that. If you can, please subscribe via iTunes. It's free, and it guarantees you've always got the most recent show, whenever you want it, right there on your computer waiting for you. The site also features a link to the Jazz Session Cause of the Month, and this week it's the Music Maker, this month I should say, it's the Music Maker Relief Fund. I write interviews and reviews for AllAboutJazz.com, the world's largest jazz website, and you'll find those linked as well. If you'd like to contact the Jazz Session, there's a contact page on the website, or you can just directly send an email to jason at thejazzsession.com. You can also call 585-473-5304. Don't forget the Jazz Session mailing list. You'll find it at thejazzsession.com, and when you join, you'll get periodic updates about the guests who appear on this show, plus other news from the jazz world. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Session logo. Thanks very much for listening. Remember to support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.